Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. season under our belts tonight we're going to be breaking it down we got the three amigos rocking with y'all myself cody kutzer find me at c kutzer ff child please kevin Steele at fantasy rat 13 and bringing on mr marriage mr hawaii mr big island robbie jeffries at nfl robbie first of all big shout out to all the uh, all the non-tfa staff who joined us to uh, to rock this draft out much uh, much better experience than trying to just look at you know current ADP and, and talk to you guys about it that way. So, with that out of the way, let's uh, let's let's just jump right into this puppy and start looking at some of these picks. We're gonna go through the uh, the first four rounds, pick by pick, to give you non podcasters. We're going to go through the first four rounds to give those of you who are listening via podcast an idea of how all this went down. And this is actually the perfect time for you to head over to our YouTube channel to check this out so you can see all the picks. I have the draft board pulled up here, but this is how the first round went down. Nothing uh, nothing surprising here. It went pretty chalky, as you would imagine, at this point of the season. But 101 was Christian McCaffrey, followed up by Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Kev took Aaron Jones, Robbie took Ezekiel Elliott, Tyreek Hill, I took A.J. Brown at 110, and then Akers and Travis Kelsey. This is bad now, for, the folks, for, the, for the folks at home that are watching or listening to this, uh, this was a full, peep, full PPR, right? Correct. Okay. Just so, so people know, you know what, you know what the what the uh, settings were for the, for this uh, glorious yes, mock good. draft that we yes, have. good call. No, uh, no bells and whistles on this one. Just a uh, a standard twelve team PPR. We took out kickers, took out defense because I mean, who who needs them? Who needs them? So this is you're just getting pure, unadulterated offensive goodness with uh, with this one here, but. Like I said, nothing really stands out to me. Uh, Acres going at one eleven, maybe slightly early, but like I don't think that's necessarily hot by any means. With uh, Citrus Soccer Boy getting his guy there at uh, at one eleven, um, I guess we'll you know since since this is pretty pretty straightforward. Obviously, running backs dominating the first round with nine out of the twelve picks, other than Tyreek, AJ Brown, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, 
Kev, Robbie, why don't you guys talk about your picks here uh, in the in the first round? Kev, you had 107 when Aaron Jones and Robbie 108, and you went Zeke Elliott being the homer that you are. But were, were there any other guys you were thinking about? Did you have a strategy in mind going into this? Just your uh, your general thoughts here with your first pick. For me, it was <clears throat> for me it was pretty straightforward. Uh, when Aaron Jones was on the board, I knew there was no way that I was going to pass up on him. Uh, he's somebody we talked about last week in the rankings video we did, the running back rankings video. So you can go back and watch that if you missed that. But um, with Aaron Jones, I mean, he's been top five uh, each of the last two seasons in fantasy points per game. He's one of the most efficient running backs in the league. Obviously, right now I am operating with the thought that Aaron Rodgers is still going to be uh, a, a member of the Green Bay Packers come this season. If he is not, then obviously this would change uh, where I would have taken Aaron Jones. But getting him here, I still felt like that was really good value for him. Um, I, I don't mind Zeke. Uh, he obviously he was on the board whenever I picked, but I felt like with this with, with this situation that I felt like I really wanted to still grab one of these top running backs. And, and with Aaron Jones still being on the board, I have him you know as a top five running back for the season. So there was no way I was going to pass on him at 107. I felt that felt like that was decent value for me to get him here. Um, and so I felt pretty solid about that, uh, with where I was able to get him and, you know, at one at one Oh seven, I just think that was good value. Yeah. I picked the one Oh eight, uh, position because I was looking at ADP and, and honestly, when you look at these top eight running backs that went, I kind of just wanted the last, uh, of them to fall. Um, I kind of view obviously McCaffrey can separate himself a little bit and, and Barkley and, and maybe cook and JT at the top. But honestly, if you look at these top eight guys, I think they're all in a, uh, an upper tier before you have a little bit of a drop off there. And so um, I was looking at Aaron Jones, Kev swept him right in front of me. So, you know, Zeke going at one Oh eight, I think a lot of people are maybe a little bit down on him from his last year. Um, you know, guys, I, I've talked to you guys a ton about this, but, you know, a lot of offensive injuries, a, a lot of injuries, obviously, to Dak and then some of those quarterbacks um, that they had. So um, a down year um, for him, but I, I think he's going to come raging back. He, he normally averages a touchdown every 20 to 25 touches. And this past year, it was uh, 40 touches for every touchdown. So if that offense does come back to where it was with Dak at the at the helm, um, I think Zeke is going to be a top three running back. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked to get him at a 108. Do you you don't feel like at all that with Tony Pollard and the way how how well he played last year that and with the the touches that Zeke Elliott's had over his career you know injury you know finally happening to him last year um, that maybe they they take away because I feel like they're going to take away touches this year that they, they don't need to to sit here and let him ha- handle twenty five touches per game now in this offense with the explosive it's going to be he's going to get opportunities to score touchdowns and that he can make up for some of that but I don't think he's going to get the same volume that we're accustomed to seeing uh, with Tony Pollard uh, kind of demonstrating that w- what he's able to do when he gets ball in his hands yeah and and I think you're you're not wrong. Uh, Pollard will have a role and he had a role last year and and Zeke was still up there at 18 and a half touches per game. And then that was in a year where he had hamstring injuries. He had an ankle injury. He actually sat out a game um, to have Pollard uh, start, start that one game where he did pretty well. So, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely will have a role, but that doesn't mean Zeke Elliott doesn't get 250 carries, another 50, 60 targets. And now if he increases from those six rushing touchdowns that he has and he gets up to the eight or nine range, I mean, he was a running back 13 or 12. I can't remember exactly. He was a running back 12 or 13 with missing a game in a down year. Now let's just get him a full year, um, get him healthy again, get a normal offense around him. And I think he's just locked to be a, a 
top five uh, running back, even with Pollard in the mix. I, I honestly think Pollard being in there and kind of spelling him actually helps him, uh, keeps him a little bit more healthy this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't hate where you got him. I think 108, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, the last couple of years has been a top three running back. So getting him at, you know, 108 is not bad because I feel like once you got past him, uh, it, the rest of the guys are all guys that I think you could have some sort of question mark around them yep. where, you know, Zeke is still the the lead back there. You're not really worried about that. But I think there's some question marks with, with some of these other guys that, that are they're going higher than what we typically see. But um, so I didn't hate that. Uh, I love seeing the A.J. Brown um, for the brand, uh, you know, in the first round by Cody. Um, I think for some people, they're maybe a little surprised that uh, Devontae Adams was not the first wide receiver off the board. I don't mind that Tyreek Hill went first overall, uh, at least as the first wide receiver off the board uh, in this offense. They didn't add anybody really at wide receiver. So uh, that target share, his, his explosiveness is still going to be there. But A.J. Brown, you know, we talked about last week on the wide receiver video that we felt like – I feel like that he is locked and loaded to be a lock to be a top five wide receiver and really wouldn't surprise me one bit if he's the number one overall wide receiver this year. Yeah, listening to your guys' wide receiver show, you guys definitely hit on him, and I, and I think you guys did a good job because, you know, not only has he been super efficient with the uh, decent target size that he's gotten, right? He, he's been okay, but we um, have seen them split with Corey Davis a little bit. They've had Janu in the mix, and and now you guys obviously made the point on the show that, you know, it's kind of his show, and so uh, we should all expect those targets to jump into the triple digits and a healthy triple digits, right? Like we're talking 130-plus um, and, and, and with his efficiency and, and chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, I just think it's it's really wheels up. And wide receiver one is is absolutely in the cards for him. Yeah, last year I think he got to like 104. So he barely got into that triple digits. And with, with all the other offensive pieces that are missing, like you're saying, Robbie, I think he's, he's a lock for 130, 40, 150, even potentially. And if if even if he can keep up, you know, let's say 80% of his efficiency and what what him and Ryan Tannehill have been doing, I think he's in line for a monster season. And I think if you look at some of the other receivers who are going after him, they, they like Devontae Adams, even if Aaron Rodgers plays, he's going to be at least touchdown regression at the very least. Stephon Diggs, if, you know, if Josh Allen takes a step back and kind of comes back down to earth as far as his completion percentage and all that goes, and I think A.J. Brown is someone who's just primed to, to blow up. So, Kind of took him there at 110. The only other uh, player I was really considering would have been Nick Chubb. But I kind of wanted to see how things were would shake out if I you know, skipped the first round running back. So jumping into the second round, uh, kicking it off, obviously at 201, it went to Vontae Adams, Austin Eckler. And then I had the chance to take Chubb again here, but I was just like, I know it's going to get gross, but I want to see how gross it gets if I skip running back in the second round. So I went and took Stephon Diggs at 203, Metcalf at 24, Robbie, you got Chubb at 205, Kev, you went mixing at 206, and then Kittle was the second tight end taken at 207, Swift, Gibson, Darren Waller, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Justin Jefferson to round out the to run up the uh, the second round. Like I said, just going to my pick real quick at 203. Only other one would have been Chubb, but I just kind of wanted to play around with uh with team build a little bit to see how it shook out. So that's why I took Diggs and it, you know, he's he's another guy who I feel like is a is a lock for at least top 5, top 6, you know, unless Josh Allen just falls uh, completely flat on his face, but I think 
his targets are obviously safe. I don't see them going out and putting a big emphasis on the run game. So I think they're going to be just as pass heavy as they were this year. Uh, Chubb at 205 and then Mixon at 206. Were, were there any other players in the mix for you guys, or were you just hammering uh, running backs early because you both went running back with your first three picks? Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I, I normally spread uh, my team around. I know a lot of people build on that running back, uh, robust running back strategy, and and I, I tend to kind of go one running back, one wide receiver most of the time, and not intentionally, just how it seems to fall most of the time. And if Metcalf had fallen to me, I might have done that, but I think Chubb was just too good to pass up here. Talk about a guy that probably should have been in the first round, or you know, all these guys you can make an argument for, but maybe if we look on at this in December, it, it could be what the hell? Why, why wasn't Chubb, you know, a, a top six pick? I can definitely see that. Um, so yeah, he was the pick there. He actually had a dominant season, even season even with his injury and so i'm yeah. i'm ready for for this tandem of zeke and chubb to just kind of set this team um, up really well for the rest of the draft kev anybody yeah. else you were thinking about when uh whenever you went mixing no i i felt pretty good i knew i wanted to get running back early especially picking in the middle here at 107 at the seventh spot um i felt pretty good about being able to stack running backs or you know and we know how deep the wide receiver position is and no, i wasn't really panicking about not getting any of these top top end wide receivers so when joe mixon was on the board again guy has as a top 10 running back this year um I think that, you know, getting him another guy that's going to handle probably 18 to 20 touches per game, he's going to be, uh, you know, the main pass catcher in the backfield as well. So uh, in an offense, that should be much better. Uh, we just had, what, yesterday or the day before, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Joe Burrow is on track and ready to roll week one. So that that is also yeah. really good news for this Cincinnati, Cincinnati offense. So getting Joe Mixon in the second round. Um, I really like that value for him. I know there's going to be people that are down on him. People are going to want to pass on him. Um, so I, I, I am all about that life. If people want to pass on Joe Mixon, I think that's a mistake. Um, he was a solid running back in the little bit of time that he played last year. And people are too quick to um, judge everything from what just happened last year and not really try to look forward. So I don't, I like Joe Mixon a lot being able to get him here. Uh, I agree that Nick Chubb should not be falling out of the first round. Nick Chubb should be a first round running back. And if that's how things are going to go, because I think people are still a little nervous with Kareem Hunt still being there. I don't really care about like Kareem Hunt even wasn't when Kareem Hunt got to start last year, Kareem Hunt wasn't great. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was okay. Like, but like Nick Chubb was head and shoulders better than he was last year. And we started to see Nick Chubb get a little bit more opportunity as well as the season went on in the passing game as well and getting a little bit more, um, more involved there as well. But Chubb was just fantastic last year coming off an injury and he still produced seven, seven uh, he was seventh in fantasy points per game. I think he was like number one or number two in, um, yards created last year, yards created per touch. So the dude is an absolute monster. And I, I think this could be his big monster year. And so, yes, I think he's definitely a guy that we look back on and people are going to uh, wish they would have taken him a little bit sooner. But the people that took him in the second round are going to get nice value there. Yeah, hey, I, I think the the Austin Eckler pick is one that's intriguing to me. That would be the, what, the 14th overall pick. Um you know, with Nick Chubb still on the board, Joe Mixon, I'm a guy that loves Eckler. I love Austin Eckler. Um, but I just think maybe that's an interesting pick um, for that spot. Um, so I, if you're asking if one stands out to me, I think that one and then going over to Darren Waller, um, you know, I'm never the guy that normally targets tight end early. 
Um, and, and Darren Waller in the second is also kind of intriguing. Um, we'll see, you know, I actually like how Nate's team, Nate was the, the guy who selected Darren Waller there. I actually like how his team turned out, but that was an interesting uh, two picks for me with Waller and Eckler going in the second. I have zero issue with taking Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller in the first two rounds of any draft. The, the, they're going to get such a large target share, like we saw last year with Darren Waller with, uh, what, 140 targets. I, nothing's changed in Oakland or in Las Vegas. He is still going to be the focal point of that offense. He is going to be fed as many targets as he can handle. And so getting him was, it's just like taking a wide receiver one, right? Like, I mean, the numbers he puts up, um, and he's such a mis- mismatch to, to any, uh, any defense that, uh, I absolutely love taking him. Now the guy that I actually don't like is taking George Kittle in the second round. Um, I just think he's going to, he's going to not take a step back, but he's not going to be the, the, the main focal point of this offense anymore. Um, it you know I, He's still going to get his, don't get me wrong, but he is not going to have the same target upside as Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey because they have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. You know, they have all these different weapons there in San Francisco, and I think he, he probably he probably should project him probably one, one and a half targets less per game uh, than a Darren Waller. So I like George Kittle a lot, but I don't think I would take him in the second round. Uh, I definitely wouldn't take him ahead of Darren Waller. And I think he probably should be a guy that's going maybe third round, right? Um, but because of his name, people are going to take him a little bit higher. I just value Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. George Kittle does not have 140 target upside like these two do. And that's my only issue. With I still love George. George Kittle still a beast. But I think with all these other added weapons that they have here, I just don't think that he has that same sort of target ceiling. Yeah, I, I just went back to look at, at fantasy pros to see where he finished in comparison to wide receivers. And, and Kev, you make a really good point because he is right there with Justin Jefferson and Calvin Ridley. He's sandwiched right in between them for fantasy points on the season. All, all three of those individuals played all 16 games. So um, you're talking about Justin Jefferson going two picks later than him. That's kind of right where you get that fantasy point uh, per value, regardless of position. Um, it seems like he did go. Um, right, right where we probably should have, and we see Ridley sneak into the third, right, right, uh, with two picks into the third. Yeah, I just pulled up uh, Best Ball Tens ADP, and they are getting closer in terms of where they're going. Kittle is going as the 25th overall player at 24.63, and then Darren Waller just a few picks behind, 28th overall with an ADP of 27.4. Um, Kev, just a Robbie, since you brought up the Eckler pick, uh, Kev, I know you have Eckler in your top 10. He actually goes as RB10 here after the first eight picks. Like I said, we're running back. Akers was RB9, and Eckler was 10. I know, like I said, I know you're you're a big Eckler fan, especially going into this year. I got some, uh, some heat in the comments for not having Eckler in my top 12 whenever we did the running back show. Is this the the area that you'd be taking him since it's kind of where you have him ranked, or would you be taking uh, you know some of these uh, receivers ahead of him? Well, um, I think the way this turned out, I would have probably favored. To, I definitely would have taken Nick Chubb had I been sitting there. I would have taken Nick Chubb over over Austin Eckler. But uh, all all things considered, I, I think that this is still uh, really. I think it's fine taking him where, where you're getting him here, um, especially in PPR formats. We know how much he's going to be involved in the passing game here. Um, some of the targets that he had last year, I mean, once he came back from injury, 16, 9, 9, 4, 3, 7, like 
you I will give me all of that, right? He's not going to be the guy that's got to get 20 touches a game. It's just not his game. It's not going to happen. He's going to be utilized more as a pass catcher than he is as a guy between the tackles. Um, but in this offense with Justin Herbert, they didn't really change anything with this offense other than bringing in, you know, a much better offensive line um, with, with, with pairing that some and with adding Jared Cook and Hunter Henry's gone. Other than that, it's really the same team. And they brought also a drafted Josh Palmer. But um, so I, I don't think anything's changed. I think 100 targets is definitely in the range of outcomes for him uh, in this offense with Justin Herbert. And so if you can get a guy like that in a PPR format in an offense that that's ascending, like I have no problem with that. Really, like only I would definitely want, like I said, Nick Chubb ahead of him, and I, and then I would probably have a decision to make between Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler. So moving on to the third round, three hundred one, when our first quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, Ridley at three hundred two, Clyde Edwards Elaire at three hundred three, Najee Harris first uh, first rookie coming off the board at three hundred four. Then it went Dobbins, Michael Thomas, Kev. You took Miles Sanders, Robbie. You went David Montgomery. Josh Jacobs, I took A-Rob at 310, and then Keenan Allen and Julio Jones to round out the third. So with uh, like, like like I mentioned last round, you guys both went three running backs to, to start yours off. Was this, Kev, obviously with Miles falling to, you know, middle of the third, I think that's really good value for, for him there. Montgomery going at 308, not going to give you – any grief for that, Robbie? This is a David Montgomery friendly podcast. But again, same question as the past two rounds. Anyone else you were considering there? Did you debate on you know taking somebody like A. Rob, who is you know who kind of fell into my lap there at three ten? Um, you know, obviously tight end isn't going to be in the mix after those top three go for for a while. Just your uh, your general thoughts on your third round picks and anything else that stood out to you during this round. I think for <clears throat> I think for me, whenever it came to Miles Sanders, um, I kind of looked at wide receiver, but I felt like with only wide, nine wide receivers drafted to this point, I felt really good about you know let's take this last running back. I will lock up my running backs for a while. I don't have to worry about the position, and I can kind of um, you know start hammering wide receiver the rest of the way. And so that's kind of what I did. I felt like Miles Sanders in the third round again uh, is solid value. If this is where he's going to be going, even when we get to August, I'm going to be really excited about that because. I think people are, are um, undervaluing him and, and pretending like he is going to just be a complete bust, and I think that's a mistake. I think he's still the lead back in this offense. I still think he commands 60% of the touches um, in this backfield, and so I am not I am not worried about him whatsoever, and if I'm going to be able to get him because, I, mean, I mean, pretty much once you get past this, once you get past Miles Sanders, I mean, all that was left was David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, and then you kind of have a, a tear fall a little mm-hmm. bit on some of the running backs that, that went after him. There's a couple more that I feel like that definitely should have been higher than what they went. But overall, I felt like he was kind of the last real running back that I could, uh, the last couple of running backs that were there that I could get. Um, I felt really good about his, uh, I feel good still about his pass catching upside as well. And I just couldn't feel the same way about David Montgomery because I do think Tariq Cohen is going to eat into his pass catching work. And then Josh Jacobs, you know, John Gruden doing John Gruden things, you know, bringing in Kenyon Drake. And then what I think a couple of days ago said that he, he he could be an MVP type running back. And I'm like, really, bro, because nothing you're doing is indicating that that's what you think with bringing in Kenyon Drake. You know, like, so I, I, I'm not listening to that hype no more. We heard the same stuff last year from Mike Mayock and John Gruden talking yeah. about 
oh, we're gonna get him all these all these targets, and you know he got he got screwed out of rookie of the year. You know we're gonna make sure we fix that. Blah blah blah, and it's all smoking smoking mirrors. I don't care about that. So I, I bought into it. Yeah, well, it happens. So it gets it gets the best of us. But with Miles Sanders, that that's why I took him there, and I felt I felt pretty solid about getting that. So with the start of Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, and Miles Sanders, uh, I feel like I couldn't really start much better than that. Yeah. And Robbie, was it kind of similar feelings for you with that with that fall off at running back there with going with going Monty? Yeah, I think in, in last year's drafts, you kind of saw running backs dry up a little bit earlier than than this year. I feel like with the influx of talent from the 2020 class and now the 2021 class, even this third round of running backs, you feel pretty safe. And if they're there you're running back three. You feel really great getting Sanders as your RB3. I got David Montgomery. We had a couple of other individuals get Najee and J.K. Dobbins as their running backs three. So I think there was a lot of good talent where in previous years you might have seen Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, guys that maybe ended up doing okay, but you were kind of shaky on that. Um, so I do think running backs a little bit deeper than last year uh, just based on the influx of talent. And, and yeah, s- same reasonings uh, with Kev there. I, I can lock up David Montgomery and I have my top three backs. I don't have to address this position for three or four rounds. Uh, Montgomery was running back four last year. Sure. Tree Cohen comes back in, um, probably takes a little bit of a hit on his targets, but um, they do do a little bit to the line for once. Um, they draft Tevin Jenkins. Uh, they haven't really addressed their offensive line in a long time. So I really hope that that'll do a little bit. And with, uh, Matt Nagy's back against the wall, they bring in Justin Fields. Let's see uh, what this offense can do with a Dalton Fields um, led offense. So, yeah, I'm excited about those three running backs. I would definitely stack them up against anybody's top three running backs for sure. <clears throat> yeah, the running back cliff comes at you uh, very quickly here. That's why I just ended up going with A-Rob at 310 because I was looking at that and I was like, the, who am I really going to take here that I'm going to feel great about? So my draft obviously started off with A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, and Allen Robinson, which – I mean, I feel like I have three guys who could legitimately finish in the in the top six in terms of wide receiver finishes. But man, if you don't start hitting on some of these running backs, it can get you know like at this point of the draft, we we have two rounds left. I only have four running backs on my team just because every time it came back around to me, I was just like, I, I'm reaching on all these guys. Like I like the the thirst is real. So that, that is kind of something that I, I have now realized after doing this first mock. Like, obviously, I knew running backs are going to go hot and heavy uh, in a best ball draft with best ball 10s right now. And it's, it's definitely going the same way. But until you get in one of these and you put yourself in that, you know, in that predicament, like I said, with going digs at 203 over Chubb, like if that would have been an actual draft, Chubb would have been my either first or second round pick, you know, depending on how that fell. But having, you know, going these top three receivers was uh, (laughs) – I did not feel great about my running backs. And we'll get to some of those guys here in a a minute. But the the other pick that stood out to me, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Miles Sanders, I think, are great values in the third. I don't know if I can take J.K. Dobbins at 305 where uh, where Christian took him. I just think that there are – too many questions in terms of his, you know, his target volume, how involved is Gus going to be? What is this offense going to look like? Apparently now that, you know, the, uh, the quote came out the other day that, you know, we're going to see things we've never seen from this offense. So what, whatever that means, uh, you know, maybe more than uh, 500 pass attempts for Lamar Jackson, but then the other one, uh, 
Michael Thomas falling all the way down to 306. I mean, last year he was you know, probably the first wide receiver taken off in, in a lot of drafts, kind of going in the middle of the first, mid to end of the first, going at 306 here. Kev, was that somebody that you were kind of eyeing up if, if he would have fallen to you? And then I guess just uh, general thoughts on Michael Thomas. Obviously, we don't know. We don't have all the answers to this test yet as it's still kind of up in the air as far as who's going to be starting a quarterback for the Saints, but that he just seems to be one of these guys who has just taken an absolute dive, especially compared to where his value was last year. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it's that bad though because I mean, I mean, it looks in the in the round, but I mean, what he went wide receiver nine off the board, wide receiver eight, nine. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not really, I mean, that's not as bad as what, you know, I think where I think he could have went lower. I think I could see people taking Allen Robinson ahead of him, Keenan Allen, probably not Julio Jones, but I mean, Amari Cooper, possibly Terry McLaurin. Like, I think, I I think he probably goes in typical drafts. I think he probably goes later than that. Um, Just because I don't think people are feeling as confident with him, you know, with all the injuries that he suffered last year. I still would have taken Miles Sanders, just like I said. I felt like I had to get uh, – I really wanted to get my third uh, running back here because I felt like I could, you know, really uh, hammer wide receiver afterwards. And so – but with Michael Thomas, like, I don't hate going there. I, I would probably prefer taking a couple of these other guys, like Al Robinson and Keenan Allen, uh, ahead of him. But, you know, it's kind of like we talked about. I do think also that, that he, he's going to end up being a guy that I think could end up being somewhat of a decent value because I still think that he's going to see a lot of targets here in this offense. I do I do 100% believe Jameis Winston is going to be the starting quarterback here uh, in this offense. We'll still see Taysom mix in. And so, um, you know, I, I don't I don't hate that um, where he's going, but I just feel like he's probably going to end up going later. I feel like you're probably going to end up seeing him probably go in the fourth um, of, of, of most drafts. And which is a little, you know, different to see somebody like that go that late, but I, I don't really hate it. Yeah, not to repeat everything Kev just said, but yeah, I think you could you could have taken him even later than this, to be honest with you. Uh, the three guys that Kev mentioned, I'd rather have them over Michael Thomas. I think it's going to be interesting because I, I agree that Winston's going to be the starter, but Cody, I think it was you that made the point that Breeze, Breeze's accuracy was a big reason why Michael Thomas gets a lot of those um, those receptions, right? And if you have a little bit less of an accurate quarterback, and by a little bit, maybe a, a lot of it here and there, um, you know, there's there's probably going to be an efficiency decrease with Michael Thomas. Sure, he may, might be the only show in town, him and Kamara, but um, I, I would definitely have A-Rob over him. I would have Keenan Allen over him. I'd have Julio Jones over him. Um, so that, I think he could have gone a little bit later. And, and does that make him a value? Absolutely, because I think you have a drop off after him then maybe uh, I, I probably even I, I'd take Terry McLaurin over him as well um, with, with Fitzy in town so yeah I think sure he, he might be a value because where he ate was out last year but the situation is so different from last year so we have to take what he where he was going last year as the wide receiver one ish out of our minds because it's a completely different um, situation now so uh, I think he, he went a little bit early if you're asking me Ooh. Coming a little, not, not even as, I guess just comparing it to last year like that, like it's just, it's it's crazy to see, you know, going from a mid first round pick and then talking about like sliding to the, sliding to the fourth. It's just kind of crazy to see what a, uh, what a year in the NFL will do to, to, to some fantasy values. Life comes at you fast, ass Todd Gurley. All right, so the last round that I will read off here, pick for pick, like I said, if you were listening to us on podcast form, please head over to our YouTube channel and uh, make sure you're subscribed. You can see the uh, the full draft board 
up on the screen as you're following along. But 401 was Amari Cooper. Then I went Terry McLaurin. My first running back I took at 403, and that was Sir Chris Carson. Kyler Murray, uh, Robbie coming in early with the quarterback and taking Josh Allen as QB3. Kev taking his first wide receiver with DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Bobby Trees, CD Lamb, Mike Evans, Kareem Hunt at 411. Like I said, that uh that running back cliff comes at you real fast. And then Deontay Johnson rounding things out here at 412. Obviously, with me at 403, had to get a running back. Taking Chris Carson, I feel pretty like I guess I feel as comfortable and as confident with uh, with Chris Carson as a fourth round running back as, as one can. I think you know, obviously they they added to that offensive line finally. I mean, it only took what eight years of uh, of Russ being in the league before they you know put put some beef in front of him, and you know the the offensive coordinator change. You know, maybe because of you know the the passing volume was too much and. Russ was cooking a little bit too much, and you know Pete had to put some uh, put a wet blanket on those flames. But again, he should be getting the volume. I'm not worried about anybody else in that backfield as long as he can stay healthy. He's going to handle the the wild majority of those touches. And then uh, Robbie, you going early with Josh Allen here at 405. Uh, my question is why? Yeah, so. I think last year Dak was going right around the fourth or fifth. And, and I don't know if this mock is going to be represent. Uh, well, what's the word here? I don't know if this mock is going to represent what a lot of home leagues will do because you see quarterbacks normally slide a little bit earlier, but the QB one from last year, I mean, we talked about Michael Thomas, right? A, a QB or a wide receiver one from a couple of years ago, we see Josh Allen, you know, sliding down here to the fourth where he could be right up there with Patrick Mahomes kind of in that early early third um, round. You know, I just really like uh, Josh Allen's upside. And and I used to kind of be the guy that waits on quarterback for forever, but I've noticed that a lot of times when I have a championship team or a team that's really competing, I have one of those top quarterbacks. I'm not playing the waiver wire with quarterbacks. I'm not messing around with who to start, what's the better matchup. I have a guy that's probably a top three, top four quarterback. And I think with Josh Allen's rushing floor, that's exactly what I have with Josh Allen. Kev, you taking your first uh, quarter? Your Kev, with you taking your first wide receiver, DJ Moore, four hundred six. I know you like him in this Carolina Panthers offense this year. Were there any other uh, you know receivers that that you were mulling around uh, whenever whenever you took him, or was it pretty easily DJ Moore for you there? Really, it came down to DJ Moore, Ceedee Lamb, and Deontay. Um, I kind of thought about. Um, you know, it, it, in my head when I was looking at it, I was like, you know, maybe I could run a little stack here, maybe get Dak, which I obviously got Dak the next round. But um, with DJ Moore, like, I, like I've said, I think this offense is taking uh, another step forward this year. I think that he becomes the number one in this offense. So um, it, it was a pretty easy decision for me. He's a borderline top 12 wide receiver. So getting him in the fourth round, I think that's the luxury you can take with, with, with taking wide receivers. Um, so I, I was happy to get DJ Moore there. At that pick, uh, I felt like this round was was pretty straightforward. Uh, the only one that really made me scratch my head was the Kareem Hunt pick. In the you know, um, I, I just there's no way I could have taken Kareem Hunt with Miles Gaskin still on the board, who I, I feel like has, or even Mike Davis for that matter, or 
um, you know, Chase Edmonds. I feel like all those guys just have a higher ceiling than what Kareem Hunt does in this offense. Like Kareem Hunt is going to be, I don't know if you're ever going to know, you know, or feel great about starting him, you know, unless another injury happens to, uh, uh, you know, Nick Chubb. So if that, if that doesn't happen, like Kareem Hunt, he's going to have weeks for sure where he's going to be usable, but predicting that and that being your number two running back, you know, I just can't do it. Like Miles Gaskin uh, is just continually being slept on. Uh, I think he's a guy that's going to move up a little bit higher, but you know, the dolphins clearly value him. And, you know, we saw what he was able to do last year. They didn't really add anybody that's really going to affect them. They added Malcolm Brown uh, over the off season, but not somebody that's going to come in and take his job from him. So I like miles Gaskin a lot. And if you can get him in the fifth round, I am about that life. So um, I, I, I just that that was the one pick that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit of like, why? Well, like, why are you taking him here? Like, well, what's the point? I think you could have waited two or three more rounds to get Kramer. Maybe, maybe you know, two rounds, um, three rounds is probably a little much, but at least a couple more rounds. I think he still would have been there, and you could have got better value and a better running back because you know, starting off like with that team, you had Dalvin Cook, Hopkins, Ridley. I think that's a good start, and then just taking Kareem Hunt just kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because that team, the rest of his running backs are uh, pretty rough. You know, uh, Kareem Hunt. Duke John or David Johnson, excuse me, uh, Ronald Jones, who's uh, dead, and Naheem Hines and James White. Like the running back group there is just not impressive for me. And you're going to probably end up needing to work the waiver wire to make that work. Speaking of Mike Davis, he fell all the way down to me at 5'10. And I like, there's no way I could pass him up with my running back group looking the way that it does. And like I said, from, I, I think from now on, I would like, like I said, if this were an actual draft, picks would have been a little bit different. I just wanted to see this for myself and to put myself in these shoes. And uh, it is not great after after a certain point. Kind of that that Dave Montgomery is, you know, Chris Carson is kind of my my cutoff. I was very happy that Mike Davis fell fell all the way to me because then after that, I mean, obviously at this point you have a uh, you have a bunch of guys with some with with some question marks around them. There was nothing like Kev, like you were touching on. There was nothing else that really, uh, really stuck out to me in the fourth round, other than the the Kareem Hunt pick. He did come back and redeem himself with uh, with Galladay there at at five oh two. I I think he still has some some question marks. Galladay, that is. Um, I I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Kev, like you were saying, fourth round, uh, pretty pretty straightforward. Fifth round, you know, the, like I said, running backs start falling off a little bit. Kev, something that you typically do not do that you did for for this mock is you did go uh, quarterback early. You took one in the first five rounds. You ended up getting Dak Prescott at five oh seven. Uh, Travis Etienne going right before that at five oh six. And I, I think I'm kind of starting to come around uh, I guess like push against like the the narratives that, that we've been hearing as far as like I, I think people might be overreacting to the the wide receiver news that we got out of out of minicamp I mean maybe that's something you know because obviously ETN in his final year did improve in terms of his stats as a as a receiver they obviously made it a point to get him more involved in in that sense but it's not like he was out there like really running a lot of routes. So maybe that was something that they were just trying to get him, you know, more comfortable with and confident with in terms of, you know, getting him used more as an actual weapon in the passing game and not just like a check down screen, you know, kind of that three route, that, that three yard stop route kind of thing. I, I think people might be overreacting to it. 
Not sure that I would have the uh, the cojones to, to take him at five oh six. But Kev, uh, quarterback at five oh seven. Uh, did you did you shower afterward? Did you puke on yourself? Walk me through that uh, that very tough decision. It must have been to take uh, an early quarterback like that. It was actually best, super. It was super easy. Pick. For me. That was his best pick yet. Like so, th- so for me, whenever I was on when I was on on the clock and I was looking to see who was available, like you know, Cooper Cup was still there, you know, because I had just taken DJ Moore, um, you know, Adam Thielen, Claypool, like the wide receivers that were on the board. Like I wasn't like, man, I have to have this guy. I'm taking him, and I, I was good at running back. I'm not gonna. There was no tight end there that I was gonna take, and so I was like, you know what? Like I'm gonna take my number two quarterback, the guy that I think that has the number one quarterback upside here in, in Dak Prescott in the fifth round. And I, I'm going there because I love Dak this year. I love this offense. And so, like, I think this is a situation where I I, I usually am a guy who is, uh, let's just draft a quarterback late. But I think in certain situations where, you know, depending on how your team falls, like, I think it, it's not a bad idea to take one. Like, I'm not taking Pat Mahomes in the third round. Like, that's never going to happen for me. Um, but, like, if somebody like Dak who you're really high on falls a little bit further than what you would expect him to go – Take it. Like, don't like, don't just pass on because, well, I can't take a quarterback early. Like, I think you have to read the board a little bit. And for me, what, you know, the, the way that my team had, had, had come out, like, I felt like this was a good opportunity to take a quarterback. And, um, you know, the guy that I, that I really wanted, had he already gone, I would not have went quarterback. I would have went, probably went with someone else. Maybe I would have considered Lamar Jackson, but, um, you know, like you said, like the, the quarterbacks that I really have started to covet more than anything are the guys that have that rushing upside um, to help their floor. And a lot of those guys are going early. Like you don't have a lot of options to take those guys late because we're pushing them up so far. And so it's, it's tough to really be able to get your hands on them. So if a guy like Dak falls, falls to me, I'm going to take him and I'm not going to feel bad about it um, just because of the way my team turned out. Like I, you know, after that I was able to get Cortland Sutton, which I love. And then, you know, Curtis Samuel, Darnell Mooney, Paris Campbell, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall. Like, I just went straight upside from that point on with my wide receivers. And also, I think it's something to consider is the way the lineup constructions are going to work with this league that or this mock. Because with this league, we only start two wide receivers and there's two flexes. So I didn't feel the need to have to, you know, stack up wide receivers. I felt like when I was looking at this and the way, you know, the, the lineup construction was to break down, I didn't need a, a – a, a ton of early round wide receivers because I don't have to start all these guys. Cause with my three running backs, I can start my two running backs with one flex. So at that point I have one flex available to me. And with all these wide receivers, I'm able to kind of do what I want to do here. Um, I'm not forced into starting three wide receivers. So, you know, I, I feel pretty strong uh, about the way this team turned out with Dak Prescott. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that. And again, that's just another thing whenever you're drafting that you should be paying attention to is, you know, your lineup construction and, you know, the the spots that you have in your league because every league is different. Some leagues that run three wide receivers, um, you know, three wide receivers, two flexes. You know, you can run, you know, different things. So different strategies can work here. So I think those are all things that you should be paying attention to whenever you're drafting and not just coming in and, and you know, best player available because I people say that it makes me want to throw up because what the fuck does that even mean? But Overall, that's why I took Dak early. Like I, I, I had no problem taking him. Generally, like I said, I am a. a it, had I not got Dak, and if I didn't take Lamar, I probably we are we are in the fourteenth round of this. I probably still wouldn't have a quarterback right now, just because after after that, there's no real point to me. I can go ahead and wait. Maybe I would have taken Jalen Hurts, you know, because uh, I liked him as well. Uh, there's a couple guys that maybe I would have considered, but had those guys gone the way this thing fell out, I probably just would have waited. Because as as of right now, I'm the only guy that hasn't taken a tight end, and I really don't care. Because if you can't get one of those top three guys, let's just wait. 
Yeah, just kind of going further on the beginning of your your statement there with the, the quarterbacks. I think after you get Mahomes, you have that those next three that have the high passing volume, but they also have a very high rushing floor in Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Dak. And so I think it, it's good where those teams got those uh, individuals kind of in the fourth and fifth round, and you getting Dak in the fifth round is fantastic. As someone who you know thought Dak could be potential QB one last year when had him as QB two, like that that's. I'm glad that we, we we see that after the five games that he had, he gets injured. And now you have that value where you can get him all the way in the fifth. And I'm sure in, in some other drafts, he might even go go lower. It, it really just depends. But, um, yeah, just from a quarterback standpoint, I think you're getting one of those top four guys um, by the fifth round. And if not, I'm probably going the same route as you. Um, I'm probably waiting a little bit. Herbert is kind of interesting, kind of in those middle rounds. Hurts, you talked about, is a higher upside guy with a rushing floor. Um, let's see what he can do passing-wise. But uh, outside of that, it's you're probably waiting and playing a little bit of a stream game. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, one, one thing that I did, I did want to talk about here as well, in regards to your team, Cody, is I felt like that with a team that waited on running back, I actually liked the way that, that your team playing out like yep. i know now like a couple years ago zero rb was all the rage right and your team isn't like a typical zero rb team but um zero rb was all the rage and then you know we had a couple rough years and now it's like people if you even try to bring up zero rb people are like oh you're so stupid you have to take running backs early i think actually this year the way that i've like I, i've been looking at some of these you know the best ball drafts that i've done the in you know the mocks and stuff like that that i've seen in adp the way it's going to shake out I think this is actually a good year to do zero RB if it if it were to fall to you that way. Like it, if it comes naturally, like I'm not trying to force yeah. that strategy, but if it's on the board, like I think you can do it, like for sure. Because you know, getting you know Chris Carson, he Chris Carson could be a top ten running back this year. Like in the Seattle offense, um, you know, he just needs to stay healthy. Mike Davis, like we can say whatever we want, how dumb if we think that, that them making Mike Davis their lead running back is, but clearly they love the guy. They, they have done nothing to try to change it, but you know, we're going to be like, Oh, it's stupid. What are you guys doing? But he's clearly going to be the lead back here. We know he can handle pass catching work as well. It's going to be an upgrade over Todd Gurley last year. And as much as I hated Todd Gurley last year, I think, you know, what do you have like nine, eight or nine touchdowns through like the first eight or nine weeks of the season last year. So this offense is still going to be dynamic. They're going to be on the field a lot. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. So getting Mike Davis at the, almost in the sixth round, like is still pretty solid. And then you got Michael Carter, who we all, I think we think that's probably has a good chance of getting a large workload this year. Like I don't hate the way that turned out. And so like, I think you can go zero RB this year. And I, the, the problem with it a couple of years ago was so many people started doing it. And so, like, it took away all the value that you were getting at wide receiver because, you know, wide receivers being pushed down so far. Um, and and so you were able to just kind of stack up these these wide receivers where you could get A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Dallin Robinson as your top three wide receivers. That's just set it and forget it. You don't even have to worry about your wide receivers. Running back, we're going to have some guys get hurt. We got all these and, – and really the way this rookie class landed with only a couple guys going early, like we're not going to get all these running backs moving up, the uh, all these rookie running backs like we did last year with that rookie class where some of these guys have an opportunity to break out later in the year. Um you know, it, depending on how things go. And so I don't think this is a bad year to run zero RB if it falls that way, um, where I know you're going to hear a lot of people tell you it's ridiculous. You have to go running back early. You, you have to go, you know, I know we went, run, you know, me and, you know, Robbie went running back early with three straight running backs. But again, it was just kind of the way the board fell to me, the reason I went that way. But 
going the way you went, Cody, like I do not hate that team at all. Like the way it's it stand out and the running backs you have, I feel like you're going to feel pretty confident with, with the way that, 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 that team turned out. Just to add on to that, Cody, before you, you talk about the team a little bit is I like that as well. But I, the one thing I might just tweak a bit uh, is that after you took Curtis Carson and Mike Davis, I might just continue to slam running back, right? I think you probably saw Tyler Boyd. You saw Bay pop up, and you're like, I can't let this opportunity pass me by. But I think if you have Chris Carson, Mike Davis, and you you back it up with Leonard Fournette and maybe Javante Williams in the next couple rounds, and you kind of get a a core four right there where you can rotate and play matchups, I think that's how you go the quote-unquote zero RB where you skip at the first three rounds and then you kind of hit the next four-ish rounds. Because honestly, I don't know when you're going to start Tyler Boyd. I don't know. You're never going to start Robbie Anderson probably. And so those are two um, swaps that I might make. But then I love the quarterback you got. Uh, Irv Smith, a tight end, has, has a lot of potential there. So I do like how your team turned out. Uh, curious on your thoughts. Yeah, I mean – like Kevin was saying, I think it's if if it falls that way to you, like I don't think it's a, it's a bad way to go. It just feels like super fragile. Obviously, with the rate of you know running back injuries, with them getting injured more often than than any other position for fantasy purposes. Like if if Carson or Mike Davis go down, like that team is like gonna crumble pretty quickly. But like I I don't necessarily hate it. Like it just feels like like having Chris Carson and Mike Davis, you know, plugged into my, you know, my two running back starting running back spots, like just that, like, doesn't like, it doesn't make me feel all, all warm and fuzzy. But then as far as like, you know, maybe taking Fournette over Tyler Boyd, I took Boyd at six, three, and then Fournette went six Oh four with that particular situation. Like, I just think we could be looking at an absolute headache in Tampa Bay, and that could be a a hot hand kind of uh, kind of running back room there. Because even though Fournette played well, he, Ronald Jones was injured, and they were still trying to work him into that game plan until like it was pretty clear that you know uh, Fournette was their best option. They kind of just wrote it with him. So I don't think Ronald Jones is out of the picture. Then they bring in Giovanni Bernard. So like I, I think that's just one that's just going to be a, a headache to try and uh, try and project. And like some of the guys who went after him, just for those who are listening on, uh, on podcasts, like uh, James Robinson, six twelve, David Johnson at seven Oh two. Javante did go at seven Oh seven. I probably would have taken him had he fallen to me at seven ten when I took Robbie Anderson. And then like, it's it, like James Connor, eight Oh, like eight Oh one. Like, I don't really think he's going to be a huge part of that offense. Raheem Moser, 805. We've talked about this San Francisco running back situation a bunch of times. Like it's like it just got to those points where it's just like, I feel like I just I'm gonna be taking a running back just for the sake of taking one. And then luckily my my savior, Michael Carter, fell to me at 910. And that was kind of just a uh, an automatic smash for for multiple reasons. But the uh the, the one that is not out of pure fandom was just the fact that you're looking around. And I really didn't think that there was anybody else, any other running backs uh, who I could I could have possibly taken there who are kind of – I think he's locked into the the Jets' RB1 role for whatever that might end up being, whether that's 55% of the work, 60% of the touches, whatever it is. I think he steps into that running back room as the, as the best running back that they have. So that one was a, was a super easy pick for me to make. 
uh, like, like I said, just gets there. There are so many question marks after that. You know, David Montgomery, kind of uh, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, kind of area where uh, you know the the way that it was falling. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to be taking one of these guys just for the sake of taking one because I only have two other running backs. So that's kind of why I went the the direction that that I went. And like Kev was saying earlier, with you know, he still does not have a tight end, and we are at. He just had his pick at fourteen oh six and took Jarek McKinnon, like the homer that he is. Uh, you know, with, with with those guys all falling, like I wasn't going to take one of those guys early. Got Irv Smith at ten oh three, so I like that spot. So it was kind of just the way that everything fell to me. Getting Aaron Rodgers at eight oh three felt like a pretty nice value for how early some of these other quarterbacks went. I feel like the only way that that does not pay off is if he just doesn't play. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I was feeling with uh, with the way that my team shook out there. So, Kev, obviously you walked us through your thoughts on your team. Uh, we'll start to wrap this up here a little bit. Robbie, just give us uh, your your overall thoughts on your team and kind of the construction route that, that you went there, and then we'll start talking about some of our favorite picks and some of these late-round guys. Yeah, so we talked about my three early running backs, and, and obviously that kind of set me up for running back where I could focus on all the other positions. So I um, was able to land Josh Allen. I like that. Now I'm set at, with a top three-ish quarterback, hopefully. Um, and then I kind of just went from there and, and tried to hammer wide receiver. And, and I thought there was actually a lot of guys still left. I, maybe I waited one round too too long with going with uh, quarterback first. So maybe I, I switched that up and see if like uh, Kev had, he had Dak follow him the next round. That might be a little bit better, but I mean, Cooper cup uh, with Matthew Stafford now, instead of uh, Jared Goff throwing six yards out, six yard slants to him, you know, he hopefully can, can improve his a dot back to what it was in Goff's previous years, gets back up from three touchdowns back closer to the 10 touchdowns he had in 2019. I think that's a, a really solid start. And then OBJ, we are getting such an injury discount with him. Um, from dynasty purposes, you know, as a dynasty guy, I'm, I'm not all in on him. But for a redraft, I think OBJ is a insane value right here. He's one of my favorite picks um, in these later rounds. So um, after getting the, some of those guys, I just uh, just tried to build more depth with Brandon Cooks, a guy that kind of is the only show left in town uh, in Houston, and then a couple more running backs. You know, just just trying to hit high upside guys. I mean, AJ Dillon there, if, if Aaron Jones goes out, I think that's a high upside pick uh, Jalen Rager. You know, I, I think he had a slow start with his injury and just kind of a lot of Carson Wentz, not feel feeling, he was not feeling himself in Philly. Um, and then they had to switch to Jalen hurts, but with a full off season, I think that's, that's a pick that could turn out to, to get a couple starts for me. And then um, one of my favorite ones, I'm surprised. I'm very surprised that Kev didn't steal him right before me was Miko Hardman. Uh, this is probably going to be in one of my sleeper videos coming up that, you know, they they moved on from Sammy Watkins. And if you look at that depth chart, wide receiver two is locked and loaded for Miko Hartman. And uh, I just think he he has an opportunity if Tyreek um, were to get injured or something like that, that he just has um, a lot of upside um, to in that Chiefs offense. So that's one of my uh, that was my 14th round pick, I believe. So talk about getting a lot of uh, upside potential there. Robbie, you just absolutely told on yourself you are not a company man. You have not been listening to the podcast because this is something that uh, I feel like I've heard Kev talk about five, six, seven times before. Byron Pringle is a wide receiver, too. Miko Harmon ain't a thing. And I, I, <laughs> Listen, Robbie, listen, because you, I'll give you the footnote version because you haven't been listening and paying Please. attention, okay? 
listen, the, the Chiefs are not – McCall Hardman ain't it, and he's not going to be it, okay? Uh, he's had opportunities, multiple opportunities, and has done nothing with them. Uh, oftentimes, you see Patrick Mahomes yelling at McCall Hardman because he does not – he 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 cuts off his routes way too often. He doesn't run the correct route way too often. Um, he's not it, and he's not going to be it. He's probably going to be the same guy. He's going to mix in with with, with with Demarcus Robinson and Cordell Powell and and Byron Pringle, and he is not going to be the guy. Like he's he's not it. Like he is he is a gadget player, and that's all he's going to be. They he is not going to be the number two wide receiver in this offense. They the Chiefs have spent all offseason talking about. Byron Pringle and how much they love Byron Pringle. Pre-draft they did, post-draft they did. Like Byron Pringle, at least to start the year, is probably going to be the outside wide receiver, um, the number two wide receiver. And then they love Cornell Powell as well. Like he's somebody that like over this weekend that they they spent a lot of time talking about as well. They feel like he is a clone of Sammy Watkins as as, as what they said, that he can do all the things that Sammy Watkins can do. Like, McCall Hardman ain't it. I know people are going to take McCall Hardman. People continue to want McCall Hardman to be a thing. He's not going to be a thing. Like he, he is a guy that's going to have some weeks here and there. I think he's much more of a best ball pick. But in terms of redraft, he's not ever going to be it. Like he's not going to be the guy. He's not going to get. He's not going to get a lot of targets. He's going to have some efficient weeks. He's going to have a couple weeks here and there where he's able to score a touchdown and he breaks off a long run. But that's all he is. And so, I don't think he has a ceiling. I don't think he has much of a ceiling. I think they like Demarcus Robinson more. They like Brian Pringle more. They like Cord- Cordell, Powell, or, uh, Cordell Powell more. Like McCall Hartman just is who he is at this point. Um, here in another year when his contract's up, he's going to be out the door. Yeah, I mean, you could be absolutely right, and I'm still taking him every time in the 14th round. Like, absolutely. Like, there's there's absolutely no reason not to take an upshot like that. He is the wide receiver, too, on the roster. He does uh, consistently had more snaps than both of those players. Uh, uh, Pringle and, and Demarcus Robinson. So um, as a guy who came in super raw from Georgia, yeah, I expect him to screw up on some routes. I expect him to have a learning curve. And now we have two years of, of him learning, and now he can uh, ascend into that spot. Um, I think that's an absolute uh, fantastic pick in the 14th round. All those other guys that are going in that that range do not have uh, – in any type of, of upside as you would have in a Chiefs offense um, if there was anything to happen to Tyreek or just from a, a week-to-week standpoint. So um, maybe maybe you are right. Maybe Byron Pringle is, is um, going to leap him on the depth chart. But um, absolutely, I, I think that's a that's a high upside pick um, that, that could definitely work out um, for, for a couple of starts here and there. Speaking of these 14th round picks, let's wrap it up on this note. Just a uh, you know, Kev, let Kev, Robbie, let's rattle off just uh, you know some some final thoughts. Maybe some of these late round guys that we like. Uh, I will start one that you know was definitely an oversight on my part. I think Rondell Moore. Uh, he did not get drafted until thirteen eleven. Uh, not sure how much higher his ADP will end up by the time that we reach August, but I thought that was a really nice pick there by Citrus Sucker Boy. I really like that one. Amara St. Brown is someone who I'm going to continue to, to pound and take at his ADP all the time. I got him at 12.03. I just think you're looking at someone who has, you know, 110, 120-ish target upside, I, I think. And I think he is someone like Michael Carter uh, who steps into that, that room as far as the receivers go in Detroit 
and he is the best receiver they have. And the only one he's going to be contending with targets for is going to be TJ Hawkinson and, uh, and DeAndre Swift. I, I honestly think um, any of these other like later on guys that are sticking out to you, anyone that you're surprised with as far as, you know, may, maybe falling a little bit more than you were expecting Kev throw it to you first. And then uh, Robbie, you can wrap us up. Um, no, not really. I, I think that um, one getting a lot, I, Elijah Moore in the 12th round, I, I was thrilled about. I think there's a real, real good chance that Jamison Crowder is not on this team whenever uh, we get to training camp. I think that whether they, they can save a lot of money by cutting him, I can see them trading him. Like I, I don't think he's going to he's gonna be there. I think he is going to end up being their slot wide receiver, and I just love Elijah Moore and his upside. I think he is one of the best wide receivers in this class, and I think that he can make an immediate impact day one. And then Terrace Marshall um, as well. I took I took him as well as just kind of another high upside guy in this Carolina offense. Um, the one thing I'll say that stood out to me the most about these later rounds, and I know we're still early in the process, is I, I never ever in my life understand why people take some of the players they take in these later rounds. Like taking Tevin Coleman, taking Marlon Mack, taking guys like this that we know that are likely not going to have much upside, if any, right? I get it. 13, 14, 15th round in drafts uh, typically are going to be guys you're probably going to end up dropping, right? Because they're just not going to work out. But I am shooting straight for that ceiling uh, in these rounds, right? Um, because of the bus potential so there, because of the chances of all that, there is zero reason to take Tevin Coleman. There is zero reason to take guys like that. Guys like that that aren't going to have any sort of impact Likely all year, but even even if they do, it, the, the ceiling is so low on them that they're not going to produce. And so, taking these late round guys like that, I just think is ridiculous. And I think that um, you know people should just be drafting for straight straight upside, straight ceiling at that point. You're looking for that golden ticket, that lottery ticket that's going to end up turning into being something. Because, like I said, most of these guys that if you know if you go through every year and look at uh, you know at the end of the year, look at all the guys people took at the end of drafts. More often than not, most of those guys all got released, right? But I'm just shooting, like I said, straight upside, straight ceiling. Leave these bums, these jags, these guys that are past their prime, that are, they're just names at this point. Leave them out there. Do not draft them. It's a waste of your time, and it's, a, and it's just a waste of a pick. It's a waste of a waste for your bench. Just don't do it. Also, never draft a handcuff. Don't draft your own handcuff, all right? Don't be that person. You do not draft your own handcuff. It does not make any sense. It is it is bad form. If you want to draft a handcuff, you draft somebody else's handcuff, right? It, it makes no sense whatsoever for you to draft, you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, right? Because you're you're when are you going to start? I get that there's the he could get injured, but chances are it's not going to happen, and you just wasted that pick, and you just wasted that bench spot on on that guy. So draft other people's handcuffs. Don't draft your own. Robbie, finish this out, bud. I just feel like I got to defend some of these poor people who are just looking for a guy in the 14th round. I mean, Kev, what are you, what are you expecting here? Tevin Coleman is probably going to be the 40% side of Michael Carter's 60% side. Like, I mean, who knows? There's an injury. I mean, I don't know what you're expecting. You took, you took a guy who hasn't been relevant since 2017. I mean, let's let's pump the brakes here. You you took the RB4. Oh, you said don't get started on Jack McKinnon. You took the RB4. Again. Robbie. On a team that doesn't run the football. I just want Robbie. you to know that like, you took the RB from again on a team that doesn't run the football. Yourself. You continue to t- see. I have an entire video dedicated to to, to this and already Ooh. talking about Jerick McKinnon. <laughs> Jerick McKinnon was great in the passing game last year. 
Okay. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to be the Chiefs' number two running back, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities as a pass catcher. Okay. And so, yes, taking Jarek McKinnon in the 14th round is not a bad pick in a PPR format. Uh, I, I do not mind that at all. He was solid last year. I think he had six or seven weeks last year of double-digit fantasy points. I have no problem with taking him as a pass catcher in this offense. I have a problem with taking Tevin Coleman, who's clearly washed, and clearly uh, that's 100% on the Jets. I don't mind Michael Carter. You don't take. You might as well just take him with Michael P. Ryan or Frank Gore shows up somewhere. It's a waste of a pick. The ceiling is so low on those guys, it's not worth it. Same people that take Larry Fitzgerald and Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson once they're past their prime. That's what I'm talking about. Take a shot on somebody that has a, that has a chance to being a golden ticket. Tevin Coleman's not. There's no scenario where you're probably going to be playing Tevin Coleman. Okay. Ever. Same thing with Frank Gore. Frank Gore's been getting all kinds of opportunities in his career late. Did, was there ever a time you're like, man, I'm fucking excited to play some Frank Gore this week, boys. Let's go. No, you're not. Okay? That's what you're shooting for. You're, I'm shooting for the fucking ceiling to the moon, boys. All right? Don't be don't be that guy who wants the guy that's going to give you eight fantasy points and be, oh, look at the guy who got in the 14th round that's going to give me eight fantasy points this week. Don't do that. I am so excited for our waiver wire shows. When when Kev is talking up Jerick McKinnon as oh, I think this might be his week. Just they're they're looking to get him involved this week. Uh, he had a couple of couple of targets the the previous week. So um, yeah, he's going to be waiver wire fodder week in and week out. But uh, for some positivity here, you know, for Nate going Darren Waller in the second, I was really curious how his team would turn out. You know, if you take tight end early, you're obviously passing on this premium position of either running back or wide receiver. And I think his team turned out really well. He he got Saquon, Clyde, and Chase Edmonds, three backs that can catch the ball, you know, get the 50, 60 targets. And I think that's what you're hoping for out of your running backs. And then he also uh, got Mike Evans, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, and Michael Pittman for his, his wide receivers. So just wanted to do a little shout out to another team that was not my own. It, it's someone who I was curious on the strategy there for a bit, but it, it ended up turning out pretty good for him. I think he has a really solid team. Well, since we're since we're since we're uh, you know calling out teams, I'm just going to say this really quickly. One of the worst drafted teams was your team, Robbie. Uh, I, I like the way it started, but then it, why take a quarterback in the, in the top four rounds and then take another quarterback? Bad, bad lineup, lineup construction. Okay, you should never take a second quarterback and, and redraft, but you should never take one if you took a quarterback. It was the third quarterback off the board. It is. It, you, there's, there's no. There's no point in it. You're never going to start the guy. This isn't a super flex. I think you got used to dynasties. What it is? You're like, oh, this is a super flex. Let me take my second quarterback here. But this isn't a super flex because you're never going to start Matt Stafford over Josh Allen, or you shouldn't, right? Because it, what was the point of taking Josh Allen as the fourth quarterback off the board? So don't take two quarterbacks. Bad strategy. Bad results. Uh, your wide receivers are are thin. Uh, I was like, okay, like uh, Cooper Cup. I like that. Odell Beckham is super thin. Brandon Cooks could. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like Sean Watson's going to play this year. If he does, regardless, but that he's your number three, Jalen Rager, Cole Harmon. Okay, so I, th- I think you know. Next time, you know, you, we can talk offline, and I'll, I will guide you in the promised land of how to build this team. Because you look at this team: Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, DJ Moore, Dak Prescott, Cortland Sutton, Javante, Curtis Samuel, Tony Pollard, Darnell Mooney, Paris Campbell, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, J- Jarek McKinnon. Championship. I'm out. I think we need to put it up to a Twitter poll on whose squad is better. Maybe toss out uh, uh, yours and mine because 
you I, I, think, get I think I think DJ played. Moore goes to bed wishing he was as good as Cooper Cup was uh, for 2019 with, and then you have uh, Matthew Stafford coming in. I think that that is definitely a dream scenario for Cooper Cup there. So I definitely like my wide receiver one over your wide receiver one, and then uh, take it back with uh, OBJ. And if he stays healthy, I think that's absolutely a home run over Cortland Sutton. Um, hopefully he can even sniff a uh, hundred targets, 90 targets in that offense. So I'm absolutely taking my wide receivers over yours. Um, but I, you I, I do like your team as well. I like your team as well. I'm not going to be one to knock your team. I definitely think it, it was good. I just, I think if we're talking about thin wide receivers, um, your third is Curtis Samuel, who might be uh, wider or option three, maybe option four, maybe option five in a Washington football team offense. That's where I get a little concerned. If you this have any injuries at wide receiver, I'm a little scared for your outlook at wide receiver. I think you guys just need to, you know, meet up somewhere, make out, and get this over with. Hey, the, this, we're, the we're, sexual, no, we're sexual doing this. We're, we're putting this up two. as a poll because I'm going to watch you get slayed, and I'm a, and, and don't just, just know that. Like my team is to the moon, your team isn't even leaving the atmosphere. Okay, I wonder if you really believe that because I'm not. I'm not sure you do. I think I think this is part I of would, your, your personality. Like, have I ever seemed like somebody to you that that just says stuff to say it? No. If I'm saying it, it's the truth. Listen, boys. Listen in the comments below. Also, who has the better team, Robbie? I'm, I'm open. Or me? Or me? It, it's going to be me all day. Okay. Darnell Mooney is. is, is Wide receiver two, Justin Fields. Let's go, boys. You know, this this team. You're is- honestly taking Darnell Mooney over Jalen Rager? Seriously? All day. De- all day. Serious? Yes. Yikes. You mean Yikes. you mean the guy that actually produced last year? The guy that Yikes. actually did something last year with, with Mitchell Trubisky and <laughs> Nick Foles? Come on. Listen, and Curtis Samuel is, a, is oh, my goodness. This is going to be fantastic with Curtis Samuel. Fifth in targets on his own team. It'll, it'll be good. No, he'll, 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 he'll be second. He'll be Is second. JD McKissick still I, on that roster? He might be sixth. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt this so we can put a put a put a fork in this pod. I will let you guys continue talking at the uh, at the end of this, and I'll wake up tomorrow. I think you guys are still going to be going at it, but we appreciate you guys joining us. Like Kev said, drop some comments in the comment section. Let us know what you think of some of these teams, some of these picks. You know, uh, give some love to Kev, give some love to Robbie. I mean, hey, I, I could use some too. So, like I said, we appreciate all of you. Make sure you're keeping everything locked in here. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not, if you have not yet done that. Rate and review us on the podcast side as well. It really mean a lot to us, and we'll talk to all of you guys very soon. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you. All the planes we flew, good things we've been through That I'll be standing right here talking to you About another path I know we love to hit the road and laugh But something told me that it wouldn't last Had to switch up, look at things different See the bigger picture Those were the days, hard work forever pays Now I see you in a better place Uh can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last it's ride. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. I see you again. We've come a long way, yeah, we came a long way. from where we began. You know we started. Oh, I'll tell you all.
all about it when I see you again. I tell you. When I see you again. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.